It's Friday! Scott's still here! I sure am. As is Emily. Hi. And me, I'm David. <laughs> I'm still David. <laughs> and we are going to be talking a little bit more about Raptor and also about some asymmetrical board games today. So we like Raptor a lot. Raptor's great. Raptor's great. Raptor sort of exists at the intersection of a couple of other games that we already like and we knew we liked before Raptor came out, and it just it, it it's a couple of great tastes that go great together. Uh, when I'm pitching it at the cafe, I often talk about it as being a little bit of Mr. Jack, particularly Mr. Jack Pocket, the way Mr. Jack Pocket is kind of streamlined, and um, Lord of the Rings Confrontation, which is a an asymmetrical two-player that uses cards in a very similar way. Um, it really it, it combines sort of the best of those into uh, into a new thing that's real good and adds dinosaurs and adds dinosaurs. There are not enough dinosaurs in Lord of the Rings. So, Mister Jack and then Mister Jack Pocket are two sort of like slightly different versions of the same sort of game, the same sort of theme, which is um, it's an asymmetric two player game where one person is playing as Jack the Ripper and the other person is playing as a unnamed representative of Scotland Yard. And if you're Mister Jack, you are trying to either last eight turns undiscovered and uncaught. Or you're trying to get out of London, so like get off the board. And if you're Scotland Yard, then you're trying to figure out who Mr. Jack is and find him. How gameplay works then is in the original Mr. Jack, you've got this board, it's got hexes, and you've got little people on it. And they're little tokens. Yes, they're tokens and they're double-sided. Each token is a person, and each person has a card with a set amount of movement and a set ability that is specific to them. And what you do is you give them a shuffle, there's eight of them, you draw four at random, and those are the four that you're going to be playing with this turn, and then the four that are left are the ones you're going to be playing with next turn, and then you shuffle them all over, and you play again. And turn orders, actually, I always found it very interesting in Mr. Jack. It's like a little two-player snake draft. Yeah, so the first player will get to pick one of the four cards that are selected, and they get to do that. And then the second player gets to pick two of them and gets to do those two things. And then the last card is left for the first player. And then for the next turn, with the different set of cards, the order is reversed. So now it's the, the second player that is drafting first the one card, and then the two, and then so on and so forth. It's almost like a variation, not quite the same thing, but it's along the lines of I Split, You Choose. Yeah. But something a little different. There's not enough games that use this particular thing. The only other thing I can think of straight off the top of my head is Selecting Your Wonders and Seven Wonders Duel, mm-hmm. um, which is another great two-player game. Not asymmetrical in any way other than the four wonders that you pick give you a different direction to aim in sometimes but yeah it's i like that mechanic a lot it's interesting because if you don't think about it too hard it seems like it can be like kind of unfair then you think about it more then you know even though i get to go first you get to go twice so you get to kind of like plan out more of your strategy because Mm -hmm. i only really get to select one thing that i'm like left with your sloppy leftovers basically well that's it and i think that's the thing is the fact that the person who is going second does get to choose what the first player gets left with Mm -hmm. and that's what makes up the balance and they do get to move like to go twice in a row but also being able to go last like getting the last move in that turn can also be very valuable but then you don't have any choice over what that move is so it's a really good way to set up a lot of different options and make sure that 
there's no objective best one. Situationally, a given uh, grabbing a given character's card first or last or in the middle might be the best or the worst choice you could make, and it it, uh, it forces you to reevaluate what those characters are worth moment to moment in a way that makes the game very fresh. Mm-hmm. I think. And Mr. Jack Pocket works in a very similar way, except you're working on a grid of three by three tiles that have the characters on them, and the actions are primarily allowing you to either switch tiles around or to move three characters around the outside of the board. So it's a slightly different... You are still moving around, but it's not quite the same method. Well, it is still the same draft. It is the same draft. But, like, the... the Sorry, the appearance of the board is different, I should say, and the, the appearance of the way that you conduct those actions. It's much more abstracted. Yeah. So Lord of the Rings Confrontation is by Dr. Reiner Knizia. It is... It is a not very Knizia, Knizia game. It's That's not very, very mathy. Um, there's card counting. There is math. I think there's very robust math under the hood. But it, it doesn't feel like you're doing math while you play it, which is a little uncharacteristic. Um, one of us plays the good guys, and one of us plays the bad guys. Uh, the good player gets nine pieces that are the members of the Fellowship, and the evil player gets nine pieces that are sort of a greatest hits collection of uh, memorable villains from... Uh, from the story, so there's orcs on one of the the tokens, and uh, the witch king, and the flying Nazgul, and the cave troll, and what have you. The board is a very abstracted map of Middle Earth that uh, looks nothing like sort of the map of Middle Earth, but but abstracts all the spaces onto a sort of weirdy diagonal grid board, and you've got a deck of uh, a deck of cards. Our decks of cards are similar, but not quite the same. And uh, they're only used in combat, so it, it has a bit of stratego to it. I can see my pieces, uh, but I cannot see what your pieces are. On my turn, I move a piece forward. If it shares a space with one of your pieces, then they're going to fight. We'll reveal the characters. Uh, they might have special abilities that will require us to not do the rest of this, but the default assumption is they're going to fight, where we'll each play a card face down, reveal the cards simultaneously, add the number on the card to the number on the fighter, and whoever has the higher total survives the fight. But then each deck also has some cards that do nasty tricks that let you escape the fight sideways or backwards that let you replace that card with another card from your discard pile. So there's some extra asymmetry created there. Or even nullify the number on your opponent's card, which is a real pain. That's right. Um, The asymmetry in, in confrontation is really specific, though. The evil side is all big numbers. They have much stronger fighters. One of their fighters has a nine, which I think is equal to uh, any two characters on the good side. Pretty much. Um, they're just they're, they're big violence, big moves, big smashing all the time. <laughs> but they really only have that one trick iterated a bunch of different ways. It's sort of that thing where if all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. But that's very characteristic of the the evil sort of mindset in Tolkien. The uh, good player does not have the ability to hold up in repeated straight fights. They can't do it. Nope. But they do have lots of character abilities that are sort of slippery, squishy nonsense. The ability to dodge a fight sideways and keep pushing towards the goal, or the ability to swap one piece in for another. Um, Sam can stunt double Frodo, so if as long as you're good about keeping Sam and Frodo together, Frodo is a very tough target. And they built, again, a lot of narrative into how each side plays. You know, by making the Fellowship player feel like they're up against overwhelming odds and have to survive through cunning or making the evil player feel like they can't possibly lose because they have so many big smashy tricks well ultimately if if they lose it'll be because good slipped through their fingers due to their hubris 
pretty on point thematically, I think. It absolutely is. And one of the things that I really enjoy about this as well is there's a very small amount of asymmetry on the board as well. Because oh, right. the evil player has the ability to hide the Balrog under Karathras. Is that how you say that? Okay. I believe so. Wow, my elven pronunciation is garbage. <laughs> now, the Balrog is not the Nine. The Nine is the cave troll. But the Balrog, if he is in the mountain and... A, or on the mountain, sorry, and there's a, a shortcut that the Fellowship can use through the mountain, and if they try and use that while the Balrog is there, that character just dies. End of story. Yeah, no combat required. The no combat required them. whatsoever. The flip side to that is that the uh, Fellowship has the ability to travel down the Anduin. So there's the river flows through the evil side of the board, and the Fellowship can use that to move sideways, Normally, the game doesn't allow you to do that, except in certain circumstances. And the evil characters cannot. So there's a lot of sort of flexibility there for narrative and asymmetry within the physical moves on the board as well, which I really enjoy. Would be really nice. Um, later editions of Lord of the Rings, The Confrontation, come with an alternate set of characters. So maybe you'd like nine different bad guys. Um, they give you the mouth of Sauron, mm -hmm. and they give you Grima, and a bunch of other interesting characters. So you can play a whole other set of characters. Uh, the good side has sort of this, like, alternate reality, like, fantasy football fellowship. So there's a Gandalf, but he's a different Gandalf. Aragorn's in there, but he's Strider, and he, he works differently. I think there's still a Frodo in the fantasy fellowship, but then you get Faramir instead of Boromir, and you get... Elrond has shown up in person rather than uh, having Legolas do it. Theoden shows up. He's a beast. Uh, Eowyn's in there, I believe. Anyway, they've... Uh, it's a fun idea. It's Yeah, so I'd love to see Raptor call back to that, take a robust system, and then in a later printing or an expansion say, who else could be in this scenario? Right? What if we're hunting, I don't know, pterodactyls? Yeah. Right? Or what would it be oh, to hunt... spitting ones. Dilophosaurus? Yeah, Dilophosaurus that have a ranged attack. Uh, what would it be if the scientist deck were replaced with a team of... Military, maybe? Yeah, like spec ops guys who, who are less concerned with peaceful capture and are more just trying to cull the herd. Or the, It feels like a robust enough system that they could... Uh, the Brunos could, if they so saw fit, pull a Lord of the Rings confrontation and give us some alternative content that would slot in pretty comfortably. That is very fair. I just want more of this game. I like it and I want more. Raptor is incredible. I want more tiny dinosaurs. <laughs> well, and we talk about wanting all of this stuff, and here's a question, is two-player games... I mean, they're extremely popular. You go back in time, some of the oldest games that we have record of are two-player. Mm -hmm. uh, Senate, which I believe may still be the oldest game ever found, or like board game type thing. 3,500 BC, thereabouts. It's an Egyptian game uh, in which the dice are semicircular sticks. And they represent different numbers if they land on the curved side or the flat side. There's chess, which, as we know it, appeared in the 15th century, but is based on a much older Indian game. And there's Go. Wei Qi is the Chinese name, and it has lots of complicated Chinese history as to where it may or may not have come from, but is definitely at least 1,000 years BC, if not 2,500. Uh, there's uh, one that I just got into recently that I found in the Snakes and Lattes archive and got real into is a Viking game called Hanefetafel. And I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. But Say it again. Hanefetafel. One more time. Hanefetafel. My Viking is about as good as my Elvish, so I don't really know. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's an asymmetric two-player that actually has a fair few parallels with Raptor. The outnumbered king and his guards start in the center of the board. The outnumbering attacking force uh, starts out around the outside edge of the board. The objectives are different. The... Um, 
attackers are trying to capture the king piece, and the uh, king's defending force is trying to create a board that allows the king to break out and get to one of the corners of the board. It is, as far as I can tell, impossible for the defenders to lose and impossible for the attackers to win. Okay. I, I have been telling folks uh, in the Snakes community... That I will buy a beer for anybody who can beat me as the attacker or win as the def- or lose as the defender without obviously throwing the game, of course. That's not worth a beer. And I have yet <laughs> bought no beers because the uh, the king gets out every time, no matter what we try. And I, I wonder if this game fell out of favor because it's sort of obviously broken, or maybe it's a game that that I haven't quite got my head around yet, although the consensus online seems to be that Hanafetafel strongly favors the defender. I also wonder if maybe it's a game that tells a story for a reason. Maybe a game got popular telling a story about how the king just can't get captured. I wonder about that, because I'm looking on BoardGameGeek and it says that it was designed in, or at least it it was first evidence appears to be 400 AD. Mm -hmm. So it's a game that's been around for a very long time for a game that is broken. So I'm inclined to agree, and I feel like Norse mythology is deep and rich and and uh, extensive, very extensive. And so I wonder if, yeah, maybe there is a rationale behind that that we don't know about either as game gurus at Snakes or don't know about as historians yet. We also don't know for sure that we're playing Hanafetafel correctly, right? Because mm-hmm. it sort of fell out of use. Uh, modern Hanafetafel sets have rules that are an attempt at a reconstruction that there is, as far as I can tell, pretty good consensus on. But it's possible that there's some sort of thing missing, whether it's a, a rule that, that uh, historians haven't thought of or a component that didn't last like the, the wood board and stone pieces, mm-hmm. right? There might just be a component made of cloth or something that uh, has decomposed in all of the historical Hanaftafel copies that we've dug up that would solve the sort of apparent balance problem in this game. Mm. Regardless, even though it's sort of flawed, or what we have of it is flawed, it's still a really interesting exercise if you like asymmetric games. A really neat little puzzle. So for, for quick interest for anyone who is looking yeah. at it, uh, Hanefetafel well, is spelled... Let's see if I get yeah. this right before Scott looks it up. H-N-E-F-A-T-A-F-L. Correct. That is correct. Woohoo! So you're playing along at home, Hanefetafel. It's also sometimes called just Taffel, T-A-F-L, as sort of Not as part fun. of a larger family of things, but say the whole thing, Hanafa Taffel, and it's, and it's fun. It's just a nice word to say. And that's it for this week's series of The Snakes Cast. Uh, looking at Raptor, thank you very much indeed to Scott for coming along and talking to us about this and other games. Uh, yeah, my pleasure. You can get in touch with us at podcast at snakesandlattes.com to let us know what you think of any episode, or if you just want to say hey, because we like saying hey back to people. The Snakes Cast is produced by Dax Audio, and music is provided by Ben Sound. Tune in next week when we talk about pirate board games. Yar. I think Scott might be there for that one, too. I'm really excited. <laughs> the opinions expressed on the Snakes cast are those of the presenters and guests, and nobody else's. See you next week. Bye.